Hey, this is Pastor Keith with Epic Life Church. And if you're tuning into this podcast, I hope it's something that will encourage you. And maybe you can listen to it a couple times and as you're reading the scripture as well and come out with something new and maybe something to think about all day or talk with a friend and maybe use in a house church community or maybe on, on a, a chat across the, uh, the internet in this time that we're separated. Enjoy. Maybe another hundred, maybe a few hundred to this. Every verse we read, there's adding, addition, more and more people. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had, adding more people. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple every single day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while, they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I don't know about you, but I want to be part of that church in Seattle. I want to see the church of Seattle grow in such a miraculous and abundant way that we see people not only being added to the fellowship, the community of believers on a daily basis, but in such a way that we are caring for each other and maybe even meeting daily. And so this passage shows the people going daily to the temple. I've talked about this several times over the years, but one thing that we need to understand with this is that they were kind of subversively um, um, kind of uh, taking over the temple. The temple was where some very legalistic things were happening and they were worshiping God. The temple was actually built not even by the Jewish nation. It was built by the Roman occupation. And so it's, it's questionable if God ever existed inside this temple. And here the, now the, the believers were coming in and they were instead of walking forward and going into the temple and doing sacrifices, they realized that Jesus was the final sacrifice. They'd walk into the temple courtyard. They would take a left. And they would worship together, worship Jesus, and talk about Jesus and the apostles were preaching inside the temple courtyard on a daily basis. This, of course, jumps us back to the book of Joshua. And Jason um, spent time with us last week, uh, and he said something like this. He said, do we live like the Holy Spirit is with us? The book of Acts, these people were living like the Holy Spirit was with them constantly. That's beautiful. I'm wondering, Jason asked a great question. Do we live like the Holy Spirit is with us? This series we're talking about through Joshua. Joshua was encouraged to be strong and courageous. Why was he encouraged to be strong and courageous? Because he wasn't strong and courageous. And so God was saying, be strong and courageous. The people were saying, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Lead us, be strong and courageous. And then they, they moved in and Joshua said, okay, we need to prepare, prepare provisions for entering into the promised land. Why? Because the manna that God had given to them for so many years was now gone. And they needed to prepare to enter in, prepare for battle, which we're called to often as Christians, to prepare ourselves to put on the armor of God and prepare to go in. And so they prepared the, the, the provisions. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the unity, the body of Christ, the people there by the river had to be unified to go in uh, because the enemy is dividing them. And even at that point, right, 
the enemy divided them, sent them, really, they, because of rebellion, went back into the wilderness, and, and now they're back to the river, and unity was so important. Remember the first 12 spies, only two said, this is God's will. Ten said, no, this is not, and there was a division right away. And right now, going into the promised land, Joshua and the people needed a unity, a strong unity. Jason, last week, talked about stepping into the river. Jesus. What's that river, he asked us. He challenged us. What's your river? What's that river that you need to step into? What are the perceived challenges that we have that you need to step into and beyond? How's that work? And today, we're going to be talking about consecrating ourselves, purifying ourselves for the journey ahead, even more for the wonders ahead. And so the word purity, the word consecration comes from Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. I'm going to actually start from the beginning of chapter 3. You know this passage. We talk about Joshua all the time. Be strong and courageous. They're entering in. They're going to uh, walk around the walls of Jericho. Crazy, amazing things are going to happen. And uh, this is a child's tale that we tell our children all the time to talk about God's goodness. But how, how many of us as believers, as adult believers, believe this happened? So verse 1 in chapter 3. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your position and follow them. Jason covered this last week that as we're following the Ark of God, God's presence. Move out from your positions and follow the ark. And since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. The ark of the covenant was guiding them. Stay about a half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Verse 5. Then Joshua turned and told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. And so a lot of your translations might say consecrate, might say a wash or clean yourselves, purify yourself, sanctify yourself might be another word. This Hebrew word is the word kadesh, uh, which literally means to set yourself apart or purify yourself, make yourself clean or holy before God. In the Old Testament, we think of the word kadesh because we think of the, uh, the priest purifying themselves before they went into the temple. Or we think about the sacrificial system that we needed to be right and pure before God. And this is the Old Testament speaking. And so the word Kadesh, get this. It, there's, there's three syllables of this Hebrew word. And uh, one actually means behind. Or the first, the first letter or the first symbol means behind. It means the forehead, actually, the head. Um, behind the head, it actually means to be humble. The second letter in that uh, is the, the letter, the symbol of a doorway like entering through a doorway, uh, being changed. It also means creation, a new creation. And the third letter of this word, Kadesh, uh, purify, consecrate, sanctify, means, means teeth. It's a weird term, but uh, actually it's a, a symbol that is given to God. The, the thought is consumed, teeth consuming, that God is a, cons- a, a consuming fire, ones that consumes us. And so the thought with this word is in humility, 
We're going to move through the door into a new relationship, a renewed relationship with God because we've been consumed by him. Kadesh, purify, consecrate, sanctify ourselves. So, so good. That's the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there's lots of, of purification rules. But we turn to the New Testament to understand how to live right now in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 18. I hope you can read this from your Bibles or from uh, your text on your phone. Hebrews 10, verse 13. Uh, verse, sorry, 18. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Remember in the Old Testament, to enter into the heaven's most holy place, there had to be a purification process happening. And in the New Testament times, because of what Jesus did, we're able to enter into the most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Verse 20. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain, through the doorway, and into the most holy place. You're hearing the word Kadesh in there? in humility, going through into the presence of God. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere heart, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water or have been purified with the washing of water. It's a beautiful symbol which, which and the writer of Hebrews is telling us, no longer are we living in the imprisonment of sin, but we are living in the purified new bodies, renewed, walking through the doorway and into the presence of God. We are pure because of Jesus. The children of Israel at this time perhaps weren't um, in the same way. They were still following the laws of the Old Testament. So here Joshua comes along in verse 5 and says, Purify yourselves, cleanse yourselves, consecrate yourselves, or sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders. Notice, he did not tell the Israelites to purify themselves so that God will do great wonders. Right? He said, purify yourselves because he is about to do great wonders. We even now live our lives in such a way, for God to do something amazing in my life, I've got to be pure. I've got to be right. I've got to get rid of all my sin. I've got to, I've got to uh, repent again. I've got, to, I've got to make myself pure before God. And we come to Christ knowing that it is him who, because of his purification process on the cross, saved us, not from our work. And then in Christianity, in our lives, we then step into the space of thinking, for me to abide in Christ, I have to do, I have to be, I have to purify myself. And the Bible is very clear that it is Christ's purification process that we are able to step into. So Joshua was saying he wasn't telling the Israelites to purify themselves so that God will do wonders. But instead, he was telling them, purify yourselves because God is going to do wonders. It makes me think of what is this purify, purification thing? Is it really about us being holy, clean? Is it about us putting new garments on, being clean, washing our head, oil, anointed oil? Or is there something more going on? 
this is more about faith than it is about us doing right and being right. Christ has made us right. Even the children of Israel knew right now it was more about faith than being holy enough. There is no magical formula to get God to act well, right? That's how we live. If I do these things, God will act well toward me. If I am holy enough, God will be nice to me. If I do these things, I'll get to go to heaven and not hell. If I live my life well, we don't say this necessarily, but this is kind of how we live, isn't it? If we do our lives well, which means I've got to focus on not sinning, I've got to focus on not rebelling, I've got to focus on keeping myself clean, I've got to focus on all of that, and it turns us to just focus on, on hell, it, focus on bad. And what God is telling us throughout the scripture is, no, the story is about me and me taking you where I want you to go. So our purification is really a, it's a statement of faith. I'm purifying myself because I know God is acting on the other side of the Jordan. Consecration is a soul action that demonstrates our faith, a soul action that demonstrates our faith and moves us into a new relationship with God. Hear the word Kadesh? A new relationship, moving through a door to a new relationship with God. It's not a physical action of consecration, of purity. It's a soul action. And the more we step into that, God wants us to step into it. That stepping into it isn't, isn't concentrating on getting rid of sin. It's abiding in Christ. The more we step away from that and abide in Christ going through this door, it's a soul transformation. It's kind of like marriage. If you've been married, remember the day one? It's like, I can't be more in love with this person. <laughs> and then day 29, 29 years, day 29 years, you realize something different. That, it, that love has changed, has grown. And there's been hardships and there's been arguments, there's been division, there's been, there's been wars and fights inside of that. There's been tragedy happen inside of that. And we come to places of realizing the, a deeper and deeper love because we've stayed together and have decided to renew our relationship, to step into it more, to, um, to rededicate ourselves to one another. And we realize over time that that love grows and grows and grows. It's not like somewhere in the middle of 29 years we became unmarried, non-married. We continued that, and then in 29 years, I just say that because that's how long we've been married. More in love. A deeper, a depth of love. You know, our re renewal of our lives together, a, a committing anew to God on a daily basis and abiding in Christ on a daily basis. Any of you go to Bible camp, right? And at the end of Bible camp, you rededicated your life to Christ. And when we were young and like passionate, it was pretty much every year. Or if you were a counselor throughout the summer, it might have been weekly. You're rededicating your life to Christ. That's kind of cheesy, but there's something to that as well. A rededication to Christ, not because we became non-Christians or were kicked out of the family or God looked at us and said, oh, you're not pure enough, but it's because we wanted to step in more. A rededication, a renewal, a commitment, and abiding in Christ. So we've got to jump over to Romans chapter 12. 
Romans chapter 12, many of you might even know this by heart. It's a beautiful passage where Paul is writing. Romans 12, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm, I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong chapter. Romans chapter 12, not 10. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I he starts everything with brothers and sisters, so you never know. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he'll find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. What's the behaviors and customs of this world? To, to focus on doing right, becoming right, being better. Don't, don't copy those behaviors or other customs. Let God transform you. Stop trying to transform yourself. Stop trying to purify yourself. Let God transform you into a new person going through the door by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So we try to prop our we try to prop up ourselves so that God will act. And Paul is saying, abide in Christ. Give your bodies as a living sacrifice. Colossians 3, verse 10. Jump a couple books over to, to Colossians, where Paul is writing again. Colossians 3, verse 10. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Put in this new life, a renewal, a recommitment, a renewal before God. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. A renewal of our lives, a recommitment. No, we can re recommit our lives, purify ourselves before God. We can recommit our lives um, because of what he's about to do on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. We can do that individually, and we can do that corporately as a church. Right now, we're probably going through a season in this country and in this world where as a, a corporate church, as a corporate family of God, we need a recommitment, a rededication of ourselves to God's glory, not man's glory. A recommit for what God is about to do. I think God is about to do something amazing. I talk to pastors all the time, you guys, and there's a lot of pastoral depression right now. A lot. A lot of pastors who are leaving, considering leaving their churches. A lot of pastors who are, are just depressed because they have no vision for what God could even do out of this. It's like the social construct is there's so much happening inside this and it's so scary we can't see beyond it but we're recommit i recommit my life we recommit ourselves to see what god is about to do because of our faith in what he is doing the israelites did not know what was going to happen on the other side of the jordan <laughs> they didn't know they knew god was giving them the land and that's all they knew they didn't know about jericho they didn't know about marching around jericho they didn't know what was going to happen the best security for tomorrow's wonders is today's sanctification, today's purification. That's not my quote. That's McLaren from 1950. 
best security for tomorrow's wonders is today's sanctification. Not so that God will act, but because he's acting. So, oh, I told you I only had one page. Um, <laughs> it's only half, okay. They, they were to purify and consecrate themselves, not for immediate offerings or religious events that was happening in that time, but in faith, believing the Lord for what was lying ahead of them and over the river. They were to consecrate themselves to step in, consecrate themselves for action, consecrate themselves one step at a time as they walk into what God is calling them into. The wonders we will experience are, are for us, definitely. And they're for people around us. But even more, the wonders we're about to experience are for God and his glory. The children of Israel entered into the promised land. They looked around, and this is a great and wonderful spot. But the point of the whole thing was to glorify God, not a bunch of people. And you know the story of the children of Israel, right? They took this blessing, and they turned and loved themselves. So God had to deal with them. They came back. They loved themselves. God had to deal with them. The point of anything that we step into because of our consecration, that we're stepping into what God is about to do, the point of that is God's glory completely. So often in, in churches, we, uh, as pastors, it's hard not to look at our own glory. And when we don't see it happening, we, uh, we kind of shirk back and we get scared and depressed. And, but our best lives as Christians and, and ministry leaders and pastors and people of God, our best lives is to step into something that gives God glory. Just had to read that real quick. So, um, all right. So we've been talking for a month about stepping into the promises that God's given to us. Right now, um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pray, and we're, I'm gonna dismiss you. You have in front of you a piece of paper about Pilgrim Coffee. Um, there's three things that we do in this neighborhood that's really really important. They're kind of ministry arms into the neighborhood of 105th and Aurora. The giving room is one of those, which happens right here. It's a food bank, and it ministers to many, many people um, in this neighborhood. Um, there's a, a ministry arm that's called Four North Seattle that has become its own thing of blessing the, the businesses and the ministry of the businesses along Aurora Avenue. And there's something called Pilgrim Coffee, which you guys know about. Pilgrim, um, on that piece of paper, you can read some about them. Um, right here is the lease for the property over here. And I want us to pray over this. Here's the deal with Pilgrim Coffee. I know that this is a scary time. I've got to think the children of Israel were entering into the promised land in a scary time. It was roaring. There was giants on the other side. There were giant cities. There were giant people. There was a giant land, and God was calling them to it. It's had to be the most scary time that they could have done it. In fact, why not wait about six months where the river is low? It's running low because there hasn't been any rain. This is a scary time for sure. The timing, it's got to be the worst time to open a coffee shop on Aurora Avenue, right? Anybody with me here? It's got to be the worst time. I know that. We know that. 
uh, the elders and I have had some wonderful, beautiful conversations about this. We understand that this is probably the scariest time to open a coffee shop. We understand that the location, on your map you see the location at the Oak Tree Village. We understand that this is probably the scariest place to open a coffee shop. Um, if we were doing this for business and for money, we would open a coffee shop someplace else. There's a bigger thing going on here. We understand that the finances involved in this is a bit scary. It's, it's like, what are we doing? Most people would look at it and go, what are you doing as a church putting money into something like this? But I want you to know that I feel that. I understand that. The elders understand that. We, we're grasping it. Um, but we also know that God has brought us to the edge of the, the river and wants us to go into it. And I want to encourage you to abide in Christ, purify. When I say purify and cleanse ourselves, I'm talking about abiding in Christ in such a way that we understand the Spirit's leading. This church is an outpost church in a city. It's an outpost church with a stake in the ground here in North Seattle. I talk to my friends and pastors and colleagues all around the country, and they ask all the time, how are you guys doing out there? Well, number one, we're not in Capitol Hill, so that helped a little bit. But how are you guys doing? Are you okay? Is things Are things falling apart? What I know is that Epic Life Church is an outpost church. We're, we're staking the ground in, in a place that's super difficult to be a church, to be a ministry. But with that stake in the ground, God has called us to do some amazing things. And one of those things is open a pilgrim, pilgrim coffee shop that's a ministry arm into our neighborhood to glorify God, to bring... God's vision and promise and admission into this community. And we get to be part of that. If you haven't read this book, <laughs> have I talked about this at all? I can't remember. Abide in Christ. Please, please get this. This is a beautiful way of, of purifying ourselves, consecrating ourselves, rededicating ourselves to what God is doing, what he's going to do. I just want to encourage you to, to read this and search it. Let, let the Holy Spirit speak to your life. Abide in Christ. All right, so I'm going to pray. Father God, you're so good. I worship you. Praise you for giving us your uh, vision. Pray, Lord Jesus, that we would understand what purification means to us right now. Kadesh, in humility before you, Jesus. We have been renewed and we've come through the door and into the presence of God himself who has consumed us. May we be consumed, Lord, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, consumed with you. On a daily basis, offering ourselves back to you, uh, a revival of our soul, a rededication of our soul, saying, Lord, consume me more so I can grow more and see more and understand more of what you are doing and what you're about to do. Lord, I confess, and we confess that the sin of, of wanting to know every single step ahead of us before we take them. May our faith in you be that of which we are willing to take steps without knowing the outcome. May we understand that stepping into a promised land was about glorifying you. 
May our faith be a demonstration to the people around us that you are a real, miraculous, a God of wonders. In the name of Jesus, amen.